today we've landed in Deuteronomy 30. Uh, it's a pretty important part of the book in Deuteronomy because this is like Moses has sort of preached three sermons, so to say, first, second, third, and this is sort of like the last sermon, and it's almost the altar call. So Deuteronomy 30 is somewhat like the altar call. And the topic of my sermon today is choose life. Okay, choose life. Everybody say choose life. You know, I was told that there was a study that says that every day we are faced with a decision to make, there are about 300 to 17,000 decisions that we have to make every single day. And today I'm here to add another decision for you to make, okay? So let's move to Deuteronomy 30. And from Deuteronomy 30, I've discovered there are five things that entails choosing life. First of all, it is a choice. Uh, yes, can I have my slides? It is a choice. Uh, this choice affects our children. Uh, to choose life, it is clear. It requires a circumcised heart, and it comes with another chance. So before I dive deep into the Word, let us start with a word of prayer. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you for the awesome presence of you just now, Father Lord. I pray that our hearts are connected to you. I pray, Father Lord, that your spirit will just linger and your spirit will bring conviction even in what we hear, Father Lord. Even as we hear a topic like choose life, Lord, I pray that you bring your life into our hearts, Father Lord. And I just thank you. May you anoint me with your spirit and it is you that bring conviction. So thank you, Lord. I just pray more of you, less of me. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Part one. It is a choice. Now, I'm going to get you all to read Deuteronomy 30, verse 19 together. Are we ready? Right? It's the morning. Let's read this together. One, two, three. This day, I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you that I set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now, choose life so that you and your children may live. Amen. You know when I, 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 I we, we always hear this verse, it's just quite a popular verse, right? And when I read this and I hear it and I'm like, choose life. I'm like, duh, who, who in their right mind would choose curses or death? It's, it's quite, you know, obvious, right, that we're all going to choose life. In fact, if I was to do a word today, I ask, how many of you want to choose life? I am pretty sure almost 100% of you or 101% of you will choose life, okay? But the thing is, when we say choose life, sometimes we think it's automatic. Sometimes we think, oh, it's natural, right? You know, we will just choose life. But actually, it's not as simple as that, all right? To choose something, we need to make a choice. And when there is a choice, there are three things that you need to do. First, you need to count the cost. Then, you need to commit. You need to decide and commit to it. And then you live with the consequences of what you chose. And, you know, the closest illustration I have is maybe about getting married. How many of you, when you, get, when you got married, you're just like, yeah, whoever comes my way, then get married lah. Then, okay lah, just put a ring lah, okay lah, okay lah. No, right? When we want to get married, wow, we'll search high, we'll search low, we'll see, oh, check this person out, date that person, is this person right? Is this person compatible with me? Can I spend my life with the rest of the, my life with this person and deal with all the idiosyncrasies this person have? 
And we go through so much, right? We ponder, we pray, we fast, and we, we, we really think about it before we commit. Um, and you know, sometimes, even in marriage, right, we have these marriage vows. We say, for better, for worse, for richer or poorer, I will forsake all others to choose you. Today, when we say we choose life, are we willing to say, for better or for worse, I will forsake all things, even the things that look attractive, even the things that I, I like to do all, all this well, I will forsake all things that lead me away from choosing life. Are we willing to forsake all the things that do not lead to life? And so sometimes, when we say choose life, we need to know what it encompasses. We need to know what is the cost when we say, we cannot just flippantly say, choose life, because it's a good tagline. But we've got to think, what is the cost of choosing life? And after we thought about it, we need to put a commitment, right? We need to put a ring on it, right? Um, and so we need to actively decide and act upon it. And then we need to then live with the consequences. But you know the good news is, in the Bible, God says, if you choose life, there are blessings. And you know, the past few weekends, you've been hearing about the blessings. There are blessings when you choose life and curses when you go the other way. But you know, some of us, we're like, I prefer to sit on a bench. I don't want to choose life, you know. I, I don't want to decide. Why can't we just live life and then it just happens, lah. life just happens. But you know what? If you say no to a choice, you're actually saying yes to the other choice. Sadly, because we live in a fallen world, if you don't choose life, another path will be chosen for you. Even though you may not say, I, I didn't choose death, I didn't choose destruction, but if you don't choose life, slowly you will move towards the path of destruction because we live in a fallen world. And that's why in Matthew 7, verse 13 to 14, Jesus actually warns us. He says this very sobering thing. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few pick and only a few find it. It's very easy to go to the narrow road, the broad gate. You know, that's just our human condition. And so, you know, for instance, you know, if some of you say, you know, choosing life is a good thing, there's blessings and it's positive, and we say we want to choose life, but do we know what it encompasses and what are the costs? For instance, some of you maybe, you say today, um, I want to choose to be healthy. How many of you here, once upon a time, somewhere or other, you made New Year's resolution or some sort of resolution that you want to be healthy? How many of you here? Have a wave of hand. Well, well, not all of you want to be healthy, or maybe all of you are just healthy already. You're just born healthy, right? Okay, some of you are born healthy, good for you. But a lot of us, you know, we choose we want to be healthy, right? No one says, no, I want to be sick, please, God, make me sick. Nobody ever does that. Everybody chooses to be healthy. But what does it encompass to choose to be healthy? For starters, what, what, what do you need to do when you want to be healthy? You got to exercise. What else? What else do you have to do? You have to have a good diet. You have to eat healthily. You have to go for your annual checkups, right? But then, most of us, we like our boba tea. Well, I know I like my boba tea. We like 
all the fast food because it's fast. You know, we like all the greasy chakretiao. And, and sometimes, yes, choosing life and being healthy is a good choice. But you know what? If you don't make an active decision and commit to it, you will not choose being healthy. Because if you decide, oh, you know what? I, I'm not going to choose that. I'm just going to let life happen. And I, I believe I will just be healthy. Eventually, you realize that your inactivity, your lack of exercise, will eventually lead to a sedentary lifestyle. And if you say, no, you know what? Uh, don't need to be so particular about food. Just eat anything and everything. You know the food out there. The food out there is nice and yummy. And the yummier it is, the nicer tasting it is, chances are it's less healthy. And you know what? After a while, we find our cholesterol, our, our, our weight just going up, and, and we say, you know, I, I choose to be healthy. But if you don't do something about it, you don't commit, and you don't take action to it, another choice takes over. You actually chose to be unhealthy, whether or not you realize that. Even though in your mind, you say, I want to be healthy, but you're not. Because this world, this fallen world, the choices out there that lead away from life, sometimes is a bit more alluring a bit more sexy, a bit more enticing. And so most of us very easily wander off to the broad, and broad gate and uh, broad road, whatever it is, right? So we've got to choose life. And you know what? SIBKL, recently we launched this thing called the SIBKL Walk the Stairs campaign. Wow, clap hand. Why do you clap hand? Woo! You know why you're not clapping, some of us? Because we're like, do you know there are 250 steps to get up to the sixth floor? Those people on the sixth floors, I don't know if you walked all the way up there, you took the lift, but 250 steps to go up there. You know, this campaign is, is birthed from a very good thing, right? Because, you know, everyone knows when you walk up the stairs, you get your heart pumping, and then you, 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 we, we give you a little bit of a chance to exercise as you come up all the way up here, right? So it's a good initiative, right? Everybody can agree with me this is a good initiative, right? Not just that, right? What about the people? The people that cannot walk up, the, the elderly and the people with 1,001 children, at least there's space for them to take the lift. But you see, if you don't choose to take the stairs, the chances are you are just naturally, naturally just wander around the lobby and end up queuing for the lift. That's just a natural thing. Okay, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that taking the lift is going to destruction. I'm not saying that. I love the lift. If you see me from afar running for the lift, please keep the door open because I like the lift. But we all know that SIBKL's lift is not the fastest in the, man, the history of mankind, right? So sometimes we all just rather wait and even if it takes forever rather than take the stairs, even though we know it's a good initiative. We know it's good because the truth is, some of us, we may mentally want to choose what is good, but, you know, our hearts, our hearts are struggling with it, and we know that you have to put effort, and it takes resources, it takes time, it takes energy to want to choose what is right. So when you want to choose life, you have to commit to it, you have to pay the cost of it, you have to invest in it. You cannot just say, I choose life, but you have to take a commitment to choose life. Choosing life is a commitment, it is a choice. And this choice doesn't just affect us, it affects our children. Let's read Deuteronomy 30, verse 19. Everybody, are you ready? One, two, three. 
go on verse 6, it says, The Lord your God will circumcise your hearts and the hearts of your descendants so that you may be loved with Him all your heart and all your soul and live. You know, our parents' choices affected us. And our choice affects our children. Now, when I hear this, I, you know, it's, it's kind of a comforting uh, a statement. But at the same time, it's quite a scary statement. And, and you know, just even a few weeks ago, Pastor Chu was talking about generational curses, generational blessings. You know, like what happens in a generation affects the next generation. And so when I, when I hear about this thing, sometimes it's comforting, but at the same time, it puts pressure. Especially if you're a parent here, there is pressure on the kind of choices you make, right? And, and sometimes you need to be aware of the weight of your choice. That It doesn't just affect you. It affects the people around you. And as a parent, you know, I, I, I really, I swing from one end to another. Sometimes, you know, there's just no manual on how to parent a child. And I'm like, sometimes, you know, I got to be real strict with my kids, you know, got to teach them, discipline them, you know, and, and, and not let them run all over and cause haywalk. And then sometimes I'm like, maybe I'm too strict. Maybe I'm too fierce. Maybe I need to be more understanding. Children are children. Let them just run around. And you know, I'm like, you know, I swing between both ends. And I, and I tell God, you know, I, I'm so concerned because there's no manual to this. And I, I struggle on how, the kind of choices that I'm going to make because it's going to affect my children. And, and God, in His mercy, taught me a little lesson. All right, I'll share with you the little lesson he taught me, okay? So this is my children. You'll see them on the screen soon. Uh, do you see them? You see them? You don't see them? Okay, yeah, you see them now. Yes, you saw right. My beautiful walls have been redecorated by my Picassos, uh, including the canvas of their face, right? I just went to the toilet for a few seconds, and they found the crayons, and they went crazy with the walls in my house. And that's my children. Now, I love them to bits, but they are extremely inquisitive and extremely healthy and active. And, and so, you know, there was one day, um, I was having a really uh, long week and uh, I was very tired and I had a, a rough day and it was a tired day that I came home from work and, you know, my children were just going, wow, they were just active. It's like someone fed them a lot of ice cream or sugar and they were just going wild and going crazy. And I was like, stop it, kids. And I lost my temper with them and I just raised my voice and I was yelling at them and I had my own little tantrum. And I was like, oh, even as I was going through my tantrum, I was thinking, remember Kate Middleton? You know, there was a time, if you read about it, Prince Louis was misbehaving and she was so elegant even as she disciplined them. She was like... Like that's so elegant, and her hair all nice. And then I, oh, my hair was like crazy and shaveled. I was like, you guys, get it, stop doing this. And I was going crazy. Don't call the social people for me, okay? I love my children very much. They're in good hands. Pastor Isaac takes care of them. So that's my struggle. And I was like, wow. I, I was throwing my tantrum, and there I am trying to discipline them to tell them, don't throw tantrum. Control your emotions and behave. And I couldn't even behave myself as a mom. I couldn't even lead myself. And I, I told God, you know, Oh Lord, I, I really am at my wit's ends. I love these children. I prayed so hard for them and I have them. And now that they're finally here, I don't know what to do with them, God. And then I asked God. And God said, go say sorry to them. Then I look at God and I'm like, they're two and three years old. You want me to say sorry to them? That's your solution, God? And God said, yeah, go say sorry to them. And so I, I did what God said, you know. I said sorry to them. You know, I, I put my kid down and I'm saying, you know, mama's really sorry. 
Mama was having a really bad day, so it's not right, it's not right for you to scream and shout and yell just because you don't have your way. You know, I'm sorry I was harsh. Mama is sorry, okay? And then my kid looks at me and I'm like, oh, okay, I'll just play my toys. He just totally ignored me, okay? And I was like, oh, that's it, that's it. And a few weeks later, my son decides to throw a tantrum again. But this time, in plain view of everyone in the shopping center. And he wanted to actually press the elevator lifts, you know. And then me and my husband were like, no, you know, it's COVID now. Everybody has their finger on that lift. Please don't touch it. You, yeah, you don't need to touch it. And they were like, no, I want to touch, I want to touch. No, don't touch it. And then they go on a tantrum and then they start rolling around the floor doing a helicopter and they're like, I want to touch. And they're crying and screaming. And then immediately we catch them, carry them and put them in the car and we're like, okay, it'll be a while before we, we dare go out again with them, right? And, and I was like, I came home and I was like, what is, what is happening, right? Maybe they're throwing a tantrum because they see mommy throwing a tantrum at home. And, and I begin to feel like, oh, I feel like so burdened. I'm like, maybe my children, they're learning fast. They're learning to throw tantrum. And so many questions goes on in my head. The first thing we ask, you know, maybe, maybe it's my, my, my husband's genes. Maybe that's why they're behaving that way. How, how many of you mothers, you know, you're like, it's the father's genes, uh, you know, like, that's why they're like that, right? Or, or then you go to the other side, I'm like, maybe it's me, maybe it's my genes, you know, you know, uh, you know maybe it's punishment because I, I wasn't the, the, the most innocent and good kid, so you know, my mom is laughing over there. Um, yeah, and, and that was how it was, and I went to God and I just prayed about it. And, and that night when I tucked my son to bed, um, I tucked him like I always do, and then he looked at me and he said, you know, Mama, I'm sorry because I was yelling in the mall today. I love you, Mama. And I was like, Wow. I didn't tell him to say sorry. He's only three. He said sorry to me without anybody prompting him to do so. And I was like, wow. And that gave me hope, you know, because as parents, we are going to make so many mistakes in lives. Every day we make mistakes. But God is saying that although you make choices, wrong choices, but also be reminded that God also gives you a chance to make good choices and this good choice influence and, 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 and raise the next generation. And you know, you know, my heart was so full and I was like thinking, you know, the world that we're living, the world that we're going to live in is going to be harder. The days are going to get darker. You know, the internet, the social media is just rising, a lot of issues. We hear of gender identity crisis. You know, Pastor Lichu was just preaching about the, we hear of wars and all these things. And our kids are going to go into that generation. And I'm, and I'm fearful that the, for all that they have to go through. But God is saying, don't be fearful. Do you know why? You have the opportunity to make good choices to raise the next David, the next Joshua, the next Moses. You have an opportunity to make good choices so that they can make good choices for their lifetime. You know, God does not, does not make mistakes. God always has a plan. God has a plan for this generation and He will continue to have a, gen a plan for the next generation, our children and our children's generation. And so, all of us, when we make choices, remember, don't just fixate ourselves, oh, all the bad choices I make, but remember, we have the opportunity to make good choices and raise them to be salt and light in this very dark future that may seem to be ahead of us. The more dark the future, the more we need to raise our children to be salt and light. And all of us here today, we have an opportunity to raise the next generation. So every time you're on the crossroad and you think, you know, 
Do I want to choose life? Do I want to choose life? Think of it. It is for the children. It's for the next generation. It will affect the people around you. All right? So when you want to choose life, commit to it, and then you will have the wonderful testimony of blessings in our children's generation. So to choose life, it is a choice. Everyone says it's a choice. It affects our children. And it is clear. So what do I mean by it is clear? Let's read Deuteronomy 30, verse 11 to 14. Ready? One, two, three. Now, what I'm commanding you today is not too difficult for you or beyond your reach. It is not up in heaven so that you have to ask, who will ascend into heaven to get it and proclaim it to us so we may obey it? Nor is it beyond the sea so that you have to ask, who will cross the sea to get it and proclaim it to us so that we may obey it? No, the word is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart so you may obey. God is clear on what he wants. He says it's not going to be rocket science. You're not going to have to figure it out too much because God is clear. And God gave the children of Israel the law because that was what they needed at that time. They were about to enter the promised land, so God gave them the laws so that they know how to navigate, how to take possession of the land. God gave them the word. And just to be straight, God didn't just give them the word, chuck it to them and say, okay, you got the commandments, okay, deal with it. God was with them all throughout. That's why you hear of all the miracles that God did. And when they went into the promised land, every single battle with Joshua, God was with them. He did all those miracles. God never left them. Even though he just gave them the word, it's not just a word. He was with them all the way. And you know, at the right time, God didn't just give the written word, but God also gave us the living word. Today, we don't just have the written word, the Bible. We also have the living word, which is Jesus Christ. God just didn't give us instructions on how to live God didn't just tell us what he wants, but he came and gave us Jesus who showed us who God is, what he wants, what he expects of us, what is his will. And in John 1, verse 14 to 17 to 18, let me read. It says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who He is Himself God, as in, in close relationship with the Father, has made Him known. Jesus Christ has made the Father known. God sent His one and only Son as a testament of His love. You know, God didn't just say, you know, I love you, you are my people, I love you. He didn't just say that. He sent his son to fulfill it. The law, Jesus fulfills the law. And he didn't just, you know, went to the synagogues and teach you a bunch of laws. No, he lived it, he modeled it, he exemplified it all the way to the cross. Jesus showed us what God wants and what choosing life entails. And he is clear today that you're not just choosing religion, you're not just choosing a set of laws. You are choosing life. And when we choose life, it's not a religion. 
but we are actually choosing a person. What do I mean by that? What do I mean by choosing life? We're choosing the person of Jesus. We're not just choosing laws. We're choosing life, a living Jesus. By the way, Jesus is still alive and he's interceding for us today. In Deuteronomy 30, verse 20, he says, Now choose life so that you and your children may live and that may you love the Lord your God, listen to his voice and hold fast to him. For the Lord is your life. Jesus is your life. You know, maybe some of you are like, wow, you know, during the time of Israel, God gave them law. And then, you know, God gave Jesus, right, to the Israelites. They, they saw Jesus face to face. That's why they say, I saw Jesus face to face. He has come to make the Father known. And then you're like, but I don't see Jesus today. Where's Jesus? Jesus has gone to heaven. I don't see him. And that's why God says this later on. He says, his intent, in Ephesians 3, he says, his intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus the Lord. Do you know how God continues to reveal what he wants? Through the church. I know some of you are like, what? The church is fallen. The church, the church is so imperfect. But you know what? God still chooses the church. God still chooses the church regardless of how perfect it is to reveal the manifold wisdom of God, the gospel of God, the mystery of Christ. God still reveals and He continues to reveal today. God doesn't cease to reveal. He is using the church today to still reveal. That is why it's so important to belong to the church because it helps you find out the will of God in your life. It continues to draw you closer to Christ, draw you closer to the Father so that you may understand and know what choosing life entails. Before you choose life, it says you've got to know what you're choosing, right? How do you know if you don't read the Bible? How do you know if you don't come to church, which is the bride of Christ, and experience the bride of Christ? How do you know whether you're choosing the right bride? How do you know choosing life is choosing Jesus? You need to know the bride of Christ, and the church is the bride of Christ. So, you know, for Moses, he gave the law, but it says that this time, God came to give us grace and truth. And God does not make mistakes. Till this day, He uses the church. And so God is clear. God is very clear on what He wants. And He's still continuing to reveal Himself to us. Not just the church, but also the Holy Spirit. God, the Holy Spirit, that's why it says, the Godhead all comes so that you know what choosing life is. God is clear. The question is, are we clear? We may be clear what God wants, but are we clear in our hearts? This is what we want. This is what we choose. This is what we are going to commit to. Are we clear? God has put down all his cards and he's asking you today, are you clear? You know, sometimes God is very clear, but we may not see God. And, and that's what happened to the children of Israel. God gave them the law, clear as clear can be. But yet, they still transgressed the law. And then God gave Jesus, and the people saw Jesus face to face, the Israelites. And yet, some of them still stoned him, still said, crucify him. Why? Because they had an image of how the Savior would be. 
And they saw Jesus, and yet they didn't see him. And us today, God says, I give you the church so that it reveals to you who the Jesus is, who is this God, this wonderful, magnificent Father. Some of us have experienced the miracle of God. Some of us have experienced the healing touch of God. Some of us have experienced the love of God. But some of us, regardless of anything, we still can't see and we refuse to believe in this Jesus. And it's very scary because in Romans 1, verse 20, it says, For since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. We are without excuse. You know, sometimes we think God is playing hide and seek. We think God is so far, and you know, sometimes only some people will catch a glimpse of God. We think God is playing hide and seek. But you know, God, He's been trying to reach out to us all the time. From the very beginning, it says, from since the creation of the world, He's been shouting and calling us to Him. But we don't listen. And God says, you know, I give you the word. I give you the Holy Spirit. I give you my son who hang on the cross to come so that you can have eternal life. And still, for some of us, we can't see him and we can't make a decision and we can't choose life, right? So today, God is saying, I've laid everything before you. It is clear. It is up to you right now to make that commitment to choose life. Everybody, to choose life, it is a choice. Repeat. Choose life, it is a choice. It affects our? It is? It requires a? Yes, it requires a circumcised heart. What do I mean by that? Why do we need the circumcised heart? In verse 6, The Lord your God will circumcise your hearts and the hearts of your descendants so that you may love Him with all your heart and with all your soul and live. Why do we need God to circumcise our hearts? It's painful, man. I mean, I've never gone through circumcision, but I reckon it's going to be painful. Why do we need God to circumcise our hearts? Why can't we just choose life, choose God? And why does God need to circumcise our hearts? Because our hearts can be easily hardened, can easily be not right with Him. And when our hearts are not right, and when our hearts are hardened, it's very hard to want to choose life even though we know it's a good thing, it makes it tough to choose life. So sometimes when we sit in a hall like this or we're watching the sermon online, you have very different responses. Some people, they hear the word and the word goes into their heart and they live and they love life. But some of us, when they hear the word, they're tired and, and, and it, they don't feel anything. They don't hear anything because maybe, just maybe, the hearts might be hardened. And when our hearts are hardened, no matter how well the sermon is preached, no matter how great the worship session is, it will be hard for us to want to choose life and commit to it. And we can easily harden our hearts through many things in life, through circumstances. Sometimes some of us harden our hearts because of unforgiveness, because we have anger. Do you know that unforgiveness is one of the biggest things that can grip us? When you have unforgiveness, there will be bitterness and anger inside you. And when there is bitterness and angerness, 
How anger inside of us, how is it are you going to feel the joy and the hope and the love when it's filled with anger and poison and of, of forgiveness? And then we still say, you know, that's why God says in His prayer, you got to forgive, not for His sake, but for our sake, because we would not be able to choose God if our hearts are crippled and bitter. And what about pride? Maybe some of you don't have unforgiveness. You love everyone, but you say to yourself, I have I have it, you know. I don't need God. God, you know, I, I can make it on my own. And this pride, it keeps us from wanting to come to God. We say, I don't need this circumcision. I don't need this painful procedure in my heart because I am fine. And so pride hardens our heart. Or maybe some of you have lust. Maybe you're, you want to be in this wrong relationship, though you know this relationship will rob you from your life, will affect your children, and yet you still want to be in this relationship because you chose something that is not life. And sometimes you walk all the way to the path of destruction and you don't even realize that you're not in the path of life. Some of us, our hearts are hardened and we don't even know it. Remember I said, if you don't choose life, another choice will be chosen for you. And so it is with us. If we don't commit and you don't take the effort to say, I commit and choose life, you will find that slowly you will walk down the path of destruction. And that's why there's so much struggling. There's so much struggling in life. And some of us really struggle. Some of us like, the gospel is supposed to be the good news. But some of us, we struggle. We felt the touch of Christ and we've given our lives to Him. But the journey, we feel like it's a struggle. But God says, I will circumcise your heart. He didn't say, you can go and try to get it circumcised. No, he says, I will circumcise your heart. And he promises in Ezekiel 36, verse 26 to 7, he says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them. Without God, it is tough. It is impossible almost to choose life and to walk that way. You know, a few, just last week we heard about how there is this, uh, they talked about um, this, this weed, right? The absinthe wormwood, how it's a weed that just chokes the life out of us. And, and you know, the circumstances around us, the life around us, the fallen nature around us, just sometimes makes choosing life so difficult. And that is why even Elder Kuntat a few weeks ago, when he was talking about curses and blessings, the main thing he said is not just about the blessings and curses, but he says the main thing is guard your heart because it's the wellspring of your life. And all out of it flows everything, our hearts. And sometimes we allow things to harden our hearts without us realizing. And only until we come to God aware of our depravity can we then get God Say, come God, circumcise my heart. And if you don't, you will struggle. Some of us struggle. Maybe some of you struggle with, you know, a terrible temper. Your temper is just causing havoc in your family. You can't control it. You're so angry for whatever reason. You're angry with the world. You're angry and you go home and you unleash the anger in your family. There's just so much anger. And that's not bringing life. That's bringing destruction. 
But some of you, maybe you're in addiction. You're caught in addiction, whether it's porn, whether it's playing, you know, Spider-Man or, or computer games. You're, you're just caught in addiction, and you can't get out of it, even though you want to so much. It's just you can't overcome it. This addiction has got a hold of you, and it's just causing haywalk in your life. Maybe some of you say, you know, I don't have this problem. I, I don't have this anger problem. I, I go to church. I'm good. You know, I don't have these addictions. But maybe you struggle from apathy. Maybe you struggle from just being very tired with life. Do you know that choosing life requires a commitment? And it's not just a one-off commitment. It's an every single minute, day commitment. And some of us, we're just so tired. I don't know for, about you, but sometimes we get so tired because life overwhelms us. And then we are like, I'm just going to let life happen. I'm tired of choosing life. I'm tired of trying. I'm just tired. And we just let life take over. And we stop choosing life because we're tired. Some of us swing the other way around. We're like, no, self-will, self-power, I can do it. And then you strive and you strive. And people say the good news of Jesus is freedom, but you don't feel free. You feel shackled and you're striving and striving with all your strength. And then after a while, you just burn out and you end up giving up because you will fail. And some of you are in denial. You're like, no, nah, I'm, I'm good. I, I'm fine. Nothing wrong with me. A few problems here and there, but no, I'm good. And, you know, it is only until we recognize the depravity of our hearts can we then come to God, come to Jesus, and allow Him to circumcise our hearts. It is only Jesus that can circumcise our hearts. Amen. I just want to let you know that some of us, we have been in this road. We have the road of choosing life over and over again. But we keep stumbling over and over again. And I just want to encourage you that God says, it's not just a choice, even though it affects our children, it is clear. And I will circumcise your heart. But you know what? There is always another chance. In Deuteronomy 30, verse 2 to 4, he says, When you and your children return to the Lord your God and obey Him with all your heart and with all your soul according to everything I command you today, then the Lord your God will restore your fortunes and have compassion on you and gather you again from all the nations where He scattered you, even if you have been banished in the most distant land under the heavens. From there, the Lord your God will gather and bring you back. All of us are not scattered. We're all here. We're all here. We may not be overseas. We may not be scattered to an exiled land. We're here. But maybe our hearts are so far from Jesus. Some of us think like, wow, you know, you say it's a choice. My parents' choice. I'm still living with the consequences of my family's bad decision. And you're bitter and you're upset with life. Or maybe some of you, they're like, I've made those bad decisions. 
Now I have to live with the consequences of those bad decisions. And I'm so far from God. I don't know how to get back on the path to life because I am just going down this path of destruction. I am just spiraling down and I don't know what to do. But God says, I will gather you back. And we see it happen in the physical. That the children of Israel, do you know how many times they've been exiled? How many times they've been scattered? And yet still, every single time, God says, when they return, I will bring them back. The key word is return. You can return to God. And as, as long as you have breath in your life, as long as you're still breathing, you have a chance to return. Do you know that Jesus, when He was hung on the cross, being crucified, there was a thief right next to Him. He was also crucified. He can't do anything. He can just stuck on the cross. But God says, Today, you will be with me in heaven. God will always give you another chance as long as you come back to Him. So don't let how messed up you think your life is or how messed up the world is to let you stop choosing life. Don't let the circumstances define your future. Instead, your future is defined by the promises of God by the blessings that He has promised to you today. And you know, God said, when I bring back the children of Israel, it's, it's not because the children of Israel are so great. You know, He actually tells them, you know, it's not because you're the best tribe or anything. He says, I bring them back for my namesake because I made a promise to the children of Israel and I am a God-keeping covenant even though they can't keep their end of the bargain, I am still a God that keeps my covenant. And that is the same with you. You still live in a covenant of Jesus Christ, a better covenant. He says that even though you can't do it, but the Jesus, the Lord, has been sent, set on the cross to die for you so that you can have eternal life because there is a covenant for all of us that belong to Jesus Christ. And God says, I long none to perish, not even one, none to perish. And I will do everything in my power so that you can have eternal life, including sending my son on the cross because there is redemption or curses are broken by the cross. I just want you to know that we may be faithless, but our God is faithful. Amen. Our God is faithful. And I just want you to even reflect on how God is pursuing each one of you. God is pursuing you, even if you don't realize it. From the beginning of time, the Word of God was given. God gave Jesus. God gave the Holy Spirit. And God gives you the church today. And He says, I am still going to continue to pursue you because I love you and I will never abandon you. And even right now, can I just get you all to stand? As you ponder about choosing life, I want to remind you that choosing life is an everyday decision, is an everyday commitment. Don't be tired. Let Jesus help you. Let God circumcise your heart today. And as we sing this song and worship, I want you to sing to the Lord 
and just reflect on His glory and on His goodness, I want you to make a decision, a commitment in your heart to say, I don't just choose life mentally, but I will believe it. I will choose it in my heart. I will allow you to circumcise my heart and I will walk in the direction of the path of life. So let me see the love you have for us. Hallelujah. Let the love of Jesus will continue to be with us till the end of days. This is the promise that God has given. I will never abandon you. I will never forsake you. Even though times are difficult, even though you struggle again and again, God says choose life because God is love and His love will continue to chase after you even though you are far from Him, even though you are gone to the ends of the world, God will bring you back into His arms so that you may know the love of Jesus, the life that He has promised, the blessings that you have heard. That hallelujah. If you feel like you want to renew your commitment to God and you say, I want to choose life, I want to choose you, Jesus. Even though it's tough, I know you will circumcise my heart and help me in this journey. Just raise your hands. Maybe for some of you, you have never made this commitment. You have said, I, th I think I've been coming to church and I want to believe in Jesus, but you have never made a covenant. God has been clear to us. God says, I give you a choice. It will affect your children and your children's children. And it is clear. God has laid down everything. It is clear. And He says, I will circumcise your heart and I will give you another chance. As long as you're breathing, I'll give you another chance. And you say, I want to I wanna choose you, Jesus. I want to choose life. I want to be excited about Jesus. I want to be excited about life again. I will not let the circumstances determine how I will celebrate the love of Jesus in my life. I just want to pray for all of you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. You see the hands that are lifted up upon you. Let you, Lord, see their commitment they want to make. And Lord, you will restore to them the days the locusts have eaten away and that you will redeem them even if they have run far away. I thank you, Lord Jesus. I thank you, Father, Lord. May the love of the Father be with you. May the grace of the Son be with you. May the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you till we all meet again. Hallelujah. Choose life. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus.